Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Loneliness is not something that happens to you only when you are an elderly person. It happens to you when you change country, you move to a new city, you move to a new job, you are a single parent, or you're uh, a member of your family becomes sick and then you have to support them. There's so many cases when we become, we feel lonely, but we haven't resonated with that. We haven't felt that, okay, wow, this is so normal. I experience that so often. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I am joined by an international visitor. She's actually bi-international, if you can be that. She's from Greece, but in the Netherlands. Her name is Vasia Serantapoulou. So Vasia is the founder, CEO, and head psychologist of Anti-Loneliness, which is a, co- a company that she's founded offering mental health services in the Netherlands, but also worldwide. In the world we live in today, uh, with our virtual world that I live in so much, uh, thankfully, she's able to help people all around the world. Uh, she's also a trainer and a perfectionism expert, which you know rang my, all my bells. So I'm happy to say that Vasia is joining me today, and we are going to talk about the topic of loneliness as it applies to divorce, because I hear so much from you all about how lonely you are feeling or how afraid of being alone you are feeling, which are two different things. Um, And then Vasya is very thankfully coming back to do an episode with me on perfectionism, which I may have chosen more for myself than anyone else, but I'm really looking forward to do that. So first off, let me say thank you so much for joining us all the way from the Netherlands, Vasya. Thank you so much. It's my honor to be here and to having an international call with you and talk about my favorite topics. 
Yeah, well, and it's wonderful because the minute I saw your areas of expertise, uh, you know, it just rang all the bells of what bells and whistles for me because I, I have a very active listenership to the podcast and they reach out quite often with questions or will post on Instagram posts or DMs about their feelings and how difficult this is. And, you know, as a divorce professional and a divorce person myself, um, I, I do know how difficult it is. I just don't always have the answers. And so it's wonderful to be able to bring on someone like yourself who is an expert in these areas and I really couldn't make up my mind which one was more important. So I truly appreciate that you're going to come and do these two episodes with me. But let's get started with loneliness for today's episode. Uh, because again, I do think people, it's, it's, they are words that I hear all the time. I hear that people are afraid of being alone and that people are lonely. So maybe we could start there and get your take on loneliness versus being alone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are many misunderstandings around the word loneliness. One is exactly what you said, that sometimes we confuse it with being alone. However, loneliness, first and foremost, is the feeling of being disconnected from others, feeling disconnected from others, even though we are next to them, even though we are around them. So you can be in the same room with people that you know, with friends, maybe with your partner, with your spouse even, and still feel lonely. So that's the feeling of loneliness that we are talking about. And it's different than being alone because you can also be alone without anybody around you and not feel lonely. So that's, that's one thing about loneliness. Another thing that I want to say is that sometimes we feel that we believe that loneliness is about feeling disconnected from others. But also, it's the feeling of being disconnected also from ourselves. And to use also the, the divorce context that we are talking today, what I hear very often from people that I am seeing when they are getting out of a, of a marriage, of a relationship, and they are into the divorce, the first thing that I usually say is, I want to find myself. Not only I feel lonely with my partner because we have disconnected, but also, I don't recognize myself. And that's another kind of loneliness that we talk even more rarely about. The feeling that I don't recognize. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't feel like I'm a, my best friend. I don't take care of me. I don't support me. I don't defend me when I need support and protection. So that can be another kind of loneliness. That's, it makes me sad just to hear. To me, that loneliness, that loneliness of not feeling connected to yourself anymore is really what I hear from people. I think the most as they are going through the end of a relationship. Um, and it, it is exactly what you say, the one that they least connect with understanding that's how they're feeling. They think that feeling of loneliness is connected to the fact that their partner is no longer their partner. It's really what we say all the time is that you have to turn inward to heal and to, to, I guess, get to know yourself again, to maybe break that, that feeling of loneliness or, or, you know, move beyond it. Yeah. It's funny because I mentioned to you just out of happenstance, I, I posted a post this morning on my Instagram feed and I'll put a copy of it in the show notes for those who are listening, but it was 
Amy Poehler said while she was going through her divorce from Will Arnett, when you are a person going through a divorce, you feel incredibly alone, yet you are constantly reminded by society of how frequently divorce happens and how common it has become. You aren't allowed to feel special, uh, but no one knows the specific ways you are in pain. And people, it's like, you know, people are reposting it and all that. I didn't know it was going to resonate so much, but it talks about that feeling of aloneness and how incredibly alone you are in divorce. Are there particular things about divorce that you think contribute to that? Uh, I mean, the obvious, which is uh, the partner of your life or for of the last few years of your life uh, is not there with you anymore. So obviously we are alone. We don't have somebody to talk to when we go back home. We don't have somebody that accepts us or we think that accepts us the way we are. So that's, of course, the most a strong reason why we're feeling lonely. The other reason is, of course, the fact that we have to turn inwards, as we said before, and we have to reinvent our identity. And I very much resonate with what he said in this post, because people don't feel like they have space to talk about the divorce. And when people join my support groups, divorce support groups, what happens, the first thing that they feel is a relief that finally I can talk. I can be myself. I can allow myself to cry, to talk, and all these things that we want to do when we're getting through a divorce, that at some point they feel that they cannot do even with their family or friends. They feel threatened. Maybe they're going to get sick and tired of me. Maybe I'm going to burden them. Maybe they don't understand me why I'm taking the divorce. For them, it's something very important to find people that uh, they understand them. So it's a long journey to reinvent your identity, especially when you have had the couple identity for a long time. You are a couple. You have forgotten how to be yourself or what is it that I myself like only or what it is that I would enjoy to do by myself. You do everything together. You have, been, you have designed your life together. And this is not there anymore. So we have to go back again to the source and find what is it that we like? What is it who we are? So that's another kind of loneliness. And another one, and last one that I can add, is an, a loneliness of separating with people that have been next to us and friends of us. But now we cannot be friends with these people because they are the common friends. They used to be the common friends. So either they have to choose which side, which friends they were going to be, or we have to choose. So the fact that we are actually losing people, not only our partner, but also the family-in-law or the friends that we used to share together, that's also a very significant loss. So you're really feeling loss coming from so many different yeah. directions. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the other thing that you said that that strikes me because I hear it so often, but maybe in a little bit different context, is that, you know, you've now spent however many years you were with your partner planning a future together. Every plan was made as a couple, as a partnership, you know, you work together. Now, all of a sudden, you may be making some decisions, I guess we'll call it together, as you're dividing up your belongings and your children's time but you are now plotting a future 
that solely you are plotting. And that is a somewhat, maybe lonely, but it's certainly an alone process. Yes, yes. And so that must contribute to it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some people that have been raised in families where relationships have been idolized. You have to be in a relationship. Uh, let me find you another partner. Uh, what's going to be your next one? Why are you still, still single? What's wrong with you that you're still single? <laughs> so you can imagine being outside of a, rela- of a relationship. Um, it can be also something shameful, like what's wrong with me? So not only I have to reinvent myself and find my identity again, but also I have to deal with these shameful feelings that there's something wrong with me. And that, of course, gets in the way of finding my identity because the moment that I go back to myself to find myself, I feel the shame. No, 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 you shouldn't do that. Just find somebody and you will find the plan for the future together. Don't plan only for yourself. So I'm always distracted when I am being uh, influenced by this shame. Yeah. You know, we talk about the shame of divorce so often and it's interesting what you just said there because so it, it somewhat emanates from other people's opinions about the ending of our partnership. But the shame really comes when we internalize other people's feelings about that, with, that they put on us. And it definitely has to interrupt that cycle or that process of getting to know yourself again, yeah. getting comfortable with yourself again, reinventing yourself again. Yeah, yeah. It, gets, it gets in the way. Yeah, as much as we want our, our friends and family to be, um, you know, that, and they want to be that bolster to us, sometimes their expectations for us or their perceptions of what we're going through can be more harmful or hurtful than helpful. So so when you are working with someone, I know you work with people, you know, anti-loneliness is your, is your website. So how do you even get started working with someone who's just in that space of feeling so, I'll say lonely, not alone, lonely? For sure, the first thing that we need to do is normalize loneliness. I mean, that's something very normal. I would, I would even say something like, if you wouldn't feel normal, I would be alarmed. Like, what's going on here? Why don't you feel uh, if you wouldn't feel lonely, I would be alarmed. Like, yeah. why do you feel? Why don't you feel lonely? It's 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 very normal. You're supposed to feel like that. There's something very normal, very expected, very okay about loneliness. It's a human feeling. It's supposed to be felt by us human beings. It means that we're missing something which is important. It means that we are grieving about something which is important in our life. Good. Everything is normal. So far, so good. So after normalizing and accepting that we can hold this feeling in our life for some time and it's okay, we can make space for that. Um, The next thing that I'm working on with them is actually realizing whether they're perpetuating this negative cycle of loneliness. So that's what I call the, not the loneliness, but the loneliness trap. And to give you an example, it's one thing to feel lonely because your partner is, is not here. And it's another thing to feel lonely, but also there's something problematic, there's something wrong with you, that you will never find anybody else, that nobody will ever love you, that you don't deserve love, that that's going to be your life from now on, loneliness, misery, rejection, betrayal. 
that's another game. So when we believe things like that, when we go down this rabbit hole of negative thinking, shaming ourselves, doubting about ourselves, then we are just creating this loneliness uh, negative uh, trap. And it is very possible that we will stay more lonely and more alone than if we just had accepted that this is a lonely period, I'm doing everything according to plan, it's okay, I need some time alone, I need to go through this normal feeling of loneliness, but I will come out of it without all the rest of the story. So it's the difference of between pain and suffering. I am in pain because I'm lonely, but I'm suffering because I'm adding all these other extra layers of projections and negative thoughts on me. I wrote that down, pain versus suffering, that they are different. I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe it quite that way. It's it's very descriptive. It's very on point to what you are talking about here. Uh, Because what I'm hearing is everyone's going to feel alone and lonely at times in their life. And that's completely normal. That is part of being alive. Um, But it's how you perceive that. Is it the I'm lonely or alone right now and therefore I'm always going to be lonely and alone because there's something wrong with me or I'm lonely and or alone right now and that's where I'm at right now. But that that will change. Exactly. I always talk on the show about my very first therapist, I thought it was like a light bulb moment when he said, awareness is the beginning of everything. Yeah. Uh, because it's so true, right? If you're not aware, it's hard for anything to change. But that to me is a moment of awareness for people because we do tend, especially in divorce, to get so caught in the moment of the pain. And you know, you use the words pain, anger, betrayal, all of those. People get so caught in that that Loneliness also tends to feel like one of those never ending, you know, holes that we're going to fall into. Exactly, exactly. And you use the word never, which is what one of the words that we use when we go into this hole that we said before with the suffering. We use the never, the always, the everyone, the no one, like no one will ever love me now or everyone will hate me. Everyone will betray me. Or why is everyone behaving to me like that? Why is everyone leaving me? These are all the negative thoughts that we are just piling up in our system. And it makes the divorce or any other painful experience even more painful. So the pain versus suffering is something that I have seen in a movie, actually. It's not something that they teach us in the university. (laughs) (laughs) What movie was it? Uh, I think it was a Korean one, uh, Old Boy. And it was a moment when um, the protagonist said, pain is in- inevitable, suffering is optional. Yes. So yep. we're all going to go through this pain, um, but we don't need to suffer. The, suffer. the suffering is something that we add on ourselves. And when I started uh, working on loneliness and talking more about loneliness, I even created a list of loneliness causes so that people can see that loneliness is not something that happens to you only when you are an elderly person. It happens to you when you change country, you move to a new city, you move to a new job, you are a single parent, or you're uh, a member of your family becomes sick, and then you have to support them. 
there's so many cases when we become, we feel lonely, but we haven't resonated with that. We haven't felt that, okay, wow, this is so normal. I experience that so often, but I don't know that. Hello, listeners. It's Susan. You know, there's a reason why I have so many authors on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. It's because I believe reading is one of the best ways you can educate yourself on everything to expect and that you're going to go through on your journey through divorce and beyond. So go to the Beyond Reading page on the website to find some of my top recommendations, including the books from all of our authors. And you'll also find some books from some upcoming guests. So go check them out to help you on your journey through divorce and beyond. Stay tuned for more from Vasya Serantapulu as we explore all the ways that being alone does not mean that you're lonely. So I think it's more about the emotional connection. And this is what changes in couples that I work with. We always, always talk about the emotions and understanding each other. And this is what brings connection with them again. If you're enjoying this episode, check out last week's show with Kate Anthony, who's sharing some of her famous golden nuggets on how you know when it's truly over. But when when women are done, we're done. And there is nothing, there's really nothing that'll pull us back. And so it's very common. I see it all the time where men are suddenly like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Okay, I'll do anything. You want to go to therapy? Like, hold on, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. And it's like, I've been saying this for years. And now we return to today's show. We go through maybe feeling lonely when we move, um, when it's not just when we separate from a partner, it can be any major change in our lives or even a small one, a friend moves away, you know, someone that you used to do a lot of things with, but there's also that loss of knowing yourself that I think you could still be surrounded and have your life have gone through no changes, be in the same place you've always been in with the same people around you. But when you start to lose yourself, whether it be in a relationship or otherwise, that, as we talked about earlier, is is probably the loneliest of lonelies I think there is out there. And, you know, you're in a relationship, you're in a marriage, say, and that's supposed to be a partnership. That's supposed to be the rela- a relationship that, you know, supports you. Yet so many people report to me when they come to me and say, Susan, it's time to get divorced, that it's not because they're fighting. It's not because someone's cheated on someone. It's not because anyone's been a horrible person, but that they just have completely grown apart and they're both like alone within the marriage. All these things that you mentioned, like the betrayal or the fact that they don't, they they fight a lot. I think these are the symptoms of the main problem, which is actually the emotional disconnection. Uh, we haven't actually realized how important it is, this emotional disconnection. And this is what I talk to all the couples that I see now, pointing out, emphasizing the chains in the relationships of nowadays. So back in the past, previous generations, couples kind of made a deal that we're going to be together because you can do something I cannot do and I can do something that you cannot. Like, for example, women can bear children, men can work. So this was a very 
distinct uh, distribution of roles. Huh? We, we were coming together because practically we complete each other. Mm-hmm. Things have changed nowadays and anybody, men or women, can do anything. Right. Men can have children by themselves. Women can work and support themselves. So we don't need each other practically. The only thing that keeps us connected together is only the emotional connection. This is why we need each other. We don't need for each other for any other of the reasons, only because you understand me, you meet my emotional needs that I cannot meet otherwise. And I'm talking about validation and love and support and connection and uh, understanding. These things, I need them from you, nothing else. All the rest, I can find it by myself. So when we come into the relationship that has been already each other is very apart from the other person, from the other partner, is because they have missed this step, the step of emotional connection. It's the couple that has focused so much on the practicalities of life, like who's going to pick up the kids, who's going to cook, who's going to do this. Okay, we're done. Now let's watch TV and then let's go to bed. The, 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 the relationship has become a routine. Um, they are relationships that they are not connected in terms of values. So they don't know what's important for each other. They do things as the, the way they learned it from the parents, like this is what we do on Sundays. This is what we do with our friends. But actually they haven't discussed, do we really believe that this is okay? Do we really like doing it? What is our style? What, we, uh, what is it that we derive joy from as a couple? What is our common goal? Where do we go as a couple? What do we want to to achieve as a couple? And I'm not meaning like something achieving professionally, but Mm -hmm. what is it that we do together? What gives us joy? So I think it's more about the emotional connection. And this is what changes in couples that I work with. We always, always talk about the emotions and understanding each other. And this is what brings connection with them again. That is so well put. I, you've described something I call roommate syndrome, hmm. uh, where couples just after a period of time begin to live together as roommates. They, yeah. they, it, and you, you described it perfectly, right? You know, I'll pick up Tommy from soccer. Can you stop by and get the dry cleaning? Nice to see you. How was your day? Time to go to bed. You clean the dish. I mean, people have really like they get through the day to day. Everybody's yeah. needs are met on that superficial level, but you're right. Nothing's deeper than that is met. Yeah. And often that will go on for years. So talk yes. about feeling lonely when those needs aren't being met. Yeah, but that was that is old school. That was the old generation. And it worked well for them because they knew what they were signing up for. They, they had made a deal. Yes, you're going to be the picking up the kids person and you're going to be the bringing the money person. Deal. Okay, so it worked for them, but it doesn't work for us because we have been witnessed witnesses of how unhappy our parents were. They were doing things together, but we know that they were not happy. We are living in an era where that we want the real thing, the happiness, the real emotion, the authenticity in the relationships. And we know, I I see from my clients, when I ask them about their parents and they say, oh, they were good people. They had a good relationship. Oh, yeah, everything was fine and they were never fighting. 
okay, do you do you think they were happy? Oh no, they were not happy. <laughs> so they had they had ticked all the other boxes, but they, were they happy? Oh no, they were not happy. No, I I haven't seen them feeling happy and joyful and hugging each other, kissing each other, being um, protective of each other. They they did all the practicalities, the roommate stuff that you said, but happy? No, not happy. But we want deeper connection, right? That deeper connection was not there. And so, you know, I can't let you get away from this episode without talking about the antidote to loneliness. What is the antidote to loneliness? Uh, I can give you two. Perfect. (laughs) A twofer. We love it. (laughs) So because we said about two different kinds of loneliness, not so different, but actually interrelated, the feeling disconnected from ourselves and feeling disconnected from others. So feeling disconnected from ourselves, the antidote to that is self-acceptance, knowing myself, accepting myself, accepting my feelings. Because many, many times we enter a relationship and we think that the other person's feelings are more important than mine. So what we do is we just put our feelings, our needs in the closet, under the carpet for years, because we feel that serving another person is more important than putting ourselves out there. So accepting ourselves, knowing ourselves is the antidote one of the antidotes to, to uh, loneliness. And, and it helps a lot when we're, when we're getting out of divorce, we stay for, a, for an important amount of time, we stay single without jumping immediately to the next relationship, without figuring out what's happening inside us. So it helps a lot to accept that I can be by myself. I can, because I am my best friend. I have no other best friend other than myself. I can take care of myself. And if I can make myself feel happy, loved, accepted, deserving love, then I am going to find a relationship that will mirror all these qualities that I have for myself. So one antidote is self-acceptance. And the other one is, uh, since we're talking about disconnect from others, is meaningful connections. So going to the other side, people that they cannot be by themselves after the divorce, we have people that they are, they want to be with anybody. They are doesn't matter under- who they are, right? Yeah, yeah just, just anyone. With, yeah. So it's like the panic mode. I have to be with somebody. I cannot be by myself. Um, so I cannot be by myself. Of course, that can be another vicious cycle. Because you meet people that probably they're unavailable, probably they're behaving to you the way that you are behaving to yourself in a very critical way or very uh, disrespectful way. So then again, you're hurting yourself even more, talking about more suffering. But when we are choosing the people that we are we want to have next to us, we're talking about the meaningful connections. We're talking about people that they make space for us. They accept us for who we are. They can uh, actively listen to us. They can make space in their lives for us. Um, Our values are connected. Uh, We are speaking the same language. It's not more, it's not like having the same personality or uh, our styles are matching, but more like uh, we have the same values. We we yeah speak the same language. So the difference here is the meaningful, meaningful connection. 
And if it takes me three or six months to find a meaningful connection, I'm fine with that because that, that's totally worth it. Yep. But it's so you're talking about, you know, this sort of more meaningful connection. It reminds me of my friend, Bella Gandhi, who's been on the show a few times. Her TEDx talk was about finding your elevator people, the people yeah. who lift you up, the people who are who are vibrating at a higher level that brings your vibration up and brings your higher and best self out. And, you know, there is that unfortunate fortunate downside to loneliness of wanting to just fill the gap, fill the empty space around you with, as you just said, anyone, what, no mm. matter, you know, just to fill that space, whether it be the relationship space or just the, you know, empty literal space around you. Um, and honestly, some of the most successful post-divorce beyonds, as I call them, divorce and beyond. So the beyond or the after divorce life before people have been the people who have given themselves some space yeah. to do all these things that you're talking about, connect to themselves and connect to and, and form meaningful uh, relationships beyond the divorce. So I think that that is all so very important. Now, I know there's a lot that actually goes into both connecting with yourself and making those meaningful connections. And you actually have a program that you uh, do with people post-divorce. Can you tell us a little bit about the program? Yes, absolutely. Um, so it's a program that combines both um, all this information, the, the, um, uh, the context around the divorce, the steps that we're going to take, and it's a program that it's um, that includes a lot of videos that I have created so that you can see all the steps that you're going through and with a lot of exercises that somebody can do by themselves. But also it combines the element of connection and we have the divorce support group. So instead of me spending all the, the this useful time from the group psychoeducating the group, I have put all the psychoeducation in the videos and people can watch and go through the stages of the divorce in the videos. But when we come together, we're actually going deeper, we're connecting. And one of the main goals that we are trying to achieve in this group is actually trusting people again. Because when you're coming out of divorce, you have actually lost your trust in humanity, your faith in humanity, your faith in relationships. You don't want to see anybody. I'm not going to be with anybody from now on, you say. Yeah? So we are restoring that part of us that doesn't believe in human relationships anymore. And that's why it's such, import such an important element of the Divorce Recovery Program. Coming together every two weeks, discussing, seeing uh, things and div the divorce specifically from both sides, uh, because you have people that they have made the decision to take the divorce, but you also have people that they have received the decision the of decision. making the divorce. So this perspective, meeting other people, coming from different perspectives, is it's fantastic. Oh, it must be. I mean, it's just providing that. I always say your tribe is your vibe, and and getting together with other people who are going through the same thing. It goes back to that Amy Poehler quote, there's nothing you know where you feel more, feel more alone than when you're going through a divorce. So I yeah. think you said you're doing that program again in the fall? 
Yes, exactly. I launched this program twice a year because we spent six months with the group meeting every two mo- every two weeks. Uh, so I start the group once in April and once in November. So everybody, anybody who's interesting, they can find information on my website. I have the waiting list there. So back then in, in November, I will launch it again and I will inform anybody who would be ready for that. Wonderful. And the, the website is antiloneliness.com. If people want to reach out to you directly to work with you or get more information, is that the website or is there a better way? The website is the best way. Okay. Well, I'm going to make sure that all of that information, your bio and the website and everything are in the show notes and you will be coming back so that we can talk about perfectionism. So, which is also another topic that I think sounds very simple on the surface and there's, there's so much beyond that. So I'm very much looking forward to that episode, but thank you very much. It's Dr. Vasia. It's been so wonderful to have you here and to be able to just peel back a little bit of the loneliness and the feelings that people have around divorce and to give them a little hope for the beyond. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this conversation. I loved it. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.